Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today's going to be, for the most part, a solo Peristyle Podcast, answering as many of your questions as I possibly can. You guys have sent in an absolute ton of questions this week following USC's 49-14 to loss to Notre Dame. We had Harvey Hyden on Sunday. He answered a lot of questions. We had Dan Weber on yesterday. Man, did he answer a lot of questions. Now... I'm going to try to do the rest on my own. We have, I think, eight voicemails or nine voicemails and pages and pages of your questions. I'll do my best. Try to get through it all. We're also going to talk to, at the end of the show, Joe Duffy um, from Offshore Insiders uh, talking about the odds of the game. Pretty much, no spoiler alert, but uh, odds of a national championship, odds of a Heisman Trophy are not good for USC. You can still, they're still on the board. You can still bet them. It's a, it's a way long shot. So if you have some confidence, uh, you can do that. But we'll talk to Joe Duffy a little bit later about that. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address and our voicemail and text line is 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. We got a lot of voicemails, as uh, as I told you. Um, we got some text messages. We've got lots and lots and lots and lots of emails. And before we jump into all that, I wanted to thank our sponsor uh, for the Peristyle Podcast, Trader Joe's. They've been uh, great to us over the last couple of months. Um, w- wonderful people to work with. Uh, I love going there. I mean, wouldn't really want to talk about it except that I shop there, shop there myself. I, I don't like to talk about things that uh, I don't use at all. So Trader Joe's, when we talked with them, it was a perfect match because uh, they just opened one right near my house in Hermosa Beach. My wife and I go there all the time. We have our little... Uh, USC Trader Joe's bags from the event we did back in August, and we love going there and shopping there. So Staples, if you want to go there and, and get you know milk, eggs, butter, things like that, but a lot of cool exotic stuff. Um, frozen foods that you can make really cool dinners with that look like you know you were cooking from scratch. Um, kind of ethnic foods if you want Indian or Chinese foods or different kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff uh, that you can get there. Uh, I love to get you know little six packs of uh, my favorite beers. A bunch of different brews. They have great wines. You want to make a nice cheese plate for your wife or something, or if you want to bring it to a tailgate, uh, you can do that kind of stuff there as well. So really cool stuff. Make sure you go uh, check out Trader Joe's. Um, It's great stuff. They're all over the country. It's their 50th year uh, anniversary, and we've been really lucky to have them uh, partner with us over the past couple months um, uh, here at the Peristyle Podcast. So thanks so much. To Trader Joe's, and uh, they'll be with us for the you know for the uh, the long haul here. So this is good stuff. Uh, we'll see how the season goes, uh, but yeah, Trader Joe's, good stuff. Hope you guys can check it out. Okay, so here is what is on tap. Like I said, we'll have Joe Duffy up later on in the show. I have no idea how long that's going to be. I mean, just reading every question, I, I just don't know how long it would take. It's just going to take forever. And we have uh, one, two, three, four, eight voicemails to play. So. This isn't like the rot people. We don't have a, a rant line, but people have kind of called in. So I want to let people vent. Uh, I'm going to play the voicemail. I'll try to do quick comments on everything because it's going to be hard to go in depth on on every question. But we'll just start kind of going through the voicemails and uh, get your thoughts. Here's the first one. 
Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Matt from Detroit. Currently watching the game in Let's Go to Michigan. Big fan of the podcast. Just about halftime. Ball just got kicked out of bounds at the one. That feels about emblematic of the whole game. Uh, if there's anything to take away from this to be positive, which is almost impossible, um, it's that it's like 70 to 80% SC shooting themselves in the foot every possible chance they get here. Do, you know, there's been some smart moves by Kelly with picking on Langley, um, you know, running the edge and then going up the middle uh, in the second quarter. The, the run game is good. You can, it's about what you'd expect. I thought our chance to win this game was going to be in the offense, being aggressive and being tight, and that's that's not on anywhere in the same planet as this game. So, um, uh, you know, it looks like Darnold could attack these cornerbacks all day if he wanted. I don't know why they're running the ball at all. Um, but, you know, this is just one of those horrific games <clears throat> I think in the second half, you're just kind of hoping that they uh, that they play well. I don't expect them to win this game, but it'd be nice to show some heart and uh, see the offense try and uh, make adjustments. Hoping that happens. Love the podcast. Fight on. Yeah, uh, you weren't expecting a win. You didn't get one if you called in uh, just before halftime or just after halftime. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, obviously. Um, the... Uh, the offense showed a little bit of life in the second in the in the third quarter. We talked to Clay Helton about that. He was kind of happy with the way they ran the ball. He said they made some adjustments and started running the ball downhill. But at that point, I mean, I don't think Notre Dame was as geared up to stop the run either because you know they had this huge uh, deficit or they built up a huge lead on the Notre Dame side. So, yeah, um, it's I think maybe the Utah game you might have expected to win the way that the the first half went. Uh, I don't think you were expecting a win, like you said. And obviously, you were right. Okay, let's go to our next voicemail question. Hey, guys, what's going on? This is Alex in Los Angeles. Uh, first of all, thanks for the podcast. You guys are doing a great job, as always. Quick question for you. I have two things that are really bothering me. Number one is the lack of intensity for this team. And it seems like the only time the team is ever really intense and focused is when they're behind and they know they need to turn it on. So we've seen that countless times this season against Texas, of course against Utah, and really against Notre Dame. The only time I ever saw any intensity was that first drive in the second half where we actually scored. You could see guys were pushing Notre Dame around. They were angry. They were focused. But at that point, Notre Dame comes back, scores again. That game was out of hand anyway. So they're never going to come back from, from that deficit in South Bend. And I wonder if this lack of intensity is also a reflection of the coaching staff. I'm not a guy that's calling out for Coach Helton's head. I'm just saying he's pretty laid back, and that kind of reflects on the team in a negative way, I think. And then accountability. I just don't see any accountability in the team. I don't understand. Clearly, the play calling has been awful, and Coach is refusing to call out T. Martin. I'm not saying he has to do it publicly, but I'm just wondering if he ever does it at all. And same thing with the team. Execution is just not there, and it's this la-di-da, we're going to be fine, it's going to be okay, we're actually improving. Uh, line that I just don't buy and I just don't see any accountability at any level with this team which leads me to believe that it's just they're just hoping for the best when they go out into the field and it's driving me crazy anyway I'd love to hear your thoughts thanks guys yeah a couple good points there one uh, certainly there was not there was one team that was ready there was one team that was intense and it was not USC and uh, I always one of the things I say about hope is not a plan Um, yes you can go out hoping 
to do well, but you need a plan. There's a, there should be a reason behind that hope, and I just didn't see it there. It just didn't seem like this team was prepared. They were certainly not intense. Uh, now, you can win. I mean, you saw Clay Hilton win as a laid-back coach last year. They won nine in a row. They went to the Rose Bowl and stuff. Um, have adjustments been made? Have uh, I, I think they changed last year, and Dan Weber talked about this yesterday on the show. After one and three, it changed. I think it was more excuse my French, balls to the wall. It was more, hey, we got nothing to lose. They weren't playing like they have nothing to lose. And I'm not sure, to be fair, if they're going to play like they have nothing to lose now because they still control their own destiny in the Pac-12. That's something that's always been talked about. So if USC goes and loses to Arizona State, maybe the changes happen then. And I'm not talking about like firing coaches, but making adjustments, you know, doing stuff that's like, okay, we got to do something different. I think right now they're still in the mode of, Everything we do is fine. It just didn't work out. But we're going to keep doing the same things. That's that's my impression from what we're hearing here. All right, next voicemail. Yes, good morning. My name is Kurt from Colorado. Um, I was the one that actually pregame predicted the score to be 49-17, along with Notre Dame having north of 350 yards rushing and USC having four turnovers. I was off by three points. Anyway, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on the game overall, and I just was curious if you think Clay Helton will be the head coach come next season. Uh, thanks for taking the time to answer my question. Hey, Kurt in Colorado. Um, yes, I don't know where your prediction was. It, maybe it was an email. Uh, I'm sorry if, uh, if we missed it, but um, if that was your prediction, pretty spot on. Uh, USC did three turnovers, uh, not four. Uh, will Clay Helton be the head coach? I mean... There's a lot of people calling for his head. Uh, I don't. I mean, I still think you look at you know he has 15 and two uh, over his last 17 games, but they haven't been improving this year. I think that's the major the, the major issue. What if I think it's going to depend on winning the Pac-12 or not? Uh, if if there's a chance of that happening, I'm not saying there will will be, but if USC uh, ends up not winning the Pac-12 South in a year where the Pac-12 South is down, USC was had all this preseason hype. You got Sam Darnold back. That's going to be on the coaches. And, uh, yes, there's injuries, and I'm just, you know, they got plenty of guys. It's not like you're playing walk-ons in places. You're playing former four-star guys that maybe just aren't quite ready yet. But if, if they're not ready and they've been in the program for a couple of years, why are, haven't they developed? I think there's a lot of excuses, and, and some fans want to make them and say, oh, the schedule's hard and all that stuff. It certainly was. I mean, USC played a lot of bowl teams. They haven't had a bye week, which doesn't really matter because a lot of teams haven't had their bye week yet. They just don't have a bye week at all until the very end. And then I think if you prepare uh, knowing that and you don't prepare as hard, then I think that can hurt you that way. But those are all, that's a choice that you make as a coach, you know, and you got to make the right choice. You're getting paid a lot of money. You got to make the right choices. If you're going too soft in practice because you don't have a bye week um, and you lose games looking soft, then maybe that was the wrong decision. And so you got to make some changes. Um, So I think there's no shot of Clay Hilton getting fired uh, if they win the Pac-12, obviously, um, probably even if they win the Pac-12 South, but and then lose in the championship game. But you're talking if they don't win the South, um, then I think there'll be a lot more talk of that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Uh, it'll be up to Lin Swan of what he wants to do. But Lin Swan wants championships, and doing that um, as far as uh, not winning the Pac-12 South this year, when all things were set up to do it, um, especially with the you know, kind of lead that they had uh, being the only team three and one. 
Now there's a bunch of one-loss teams in the Pac-12 South. In, in the North and South, there's a, the three teams each with one loss. So kind of a round robin. They all play each other, sort of a round robin to win the South and win the North. Um, and the fact that you the, maybe the best team in the conference right now is Stanford, the team that's playing best, and that's a team you look your best against, shows that there is a potential there. Like if you can play the best football and blow out a Stanford team that looks like the best in the conference, then why have you played so poorly in the other seven games? And that's the that's the question Lin Swan is going to have to be asking. All right, next question. Hello, Don Autry here. It was pretty clear to me that USC was stomped on and crushed, just like you put a cigarette out with your foot. I expected it, though. USC has been playing the same uninspired football for eight weeks now with no improvement. The offensive line throwing lookout blocks, the receivers walking through their pass routes and getting no separation. The defense has two weak corners with no coverage skills. And the tackling is simply horrendous. Definitely no Ronnie Lott type hitters on this defense. Just a bunch of sissies arm tackling. USC needs to start recruiting black mobile quarterbacks like Winbush. I really could relate to him because I was that same type quarterback. The scouting report on him was definitely wrong. And finally, turn out the lights. The party is over for this team this year. All right, Don, thanks for the uh, voicemail. Wow, okay, so uninspired, yes, that's a common theme. I think you're right. Tackling has certainly been poor. I wouldn't call them, uh, I forget what you call them, like sissies or something. I wouldn't say that, but just the tackling has not been uh, not been very good. So I think you have that. As far as, like, recruit a black mobile quarterback, um, I think, you know, Matt Fink, Sam, I think they're mobile quarterbacks. I don't. To me, it doesn't matter what race they are. If it's a, a green quarterback, but they can play, then you can play. This offense, uh, they have the, the quarterback moving more. They have the quarterback uh, running more. So I think you know having a mobile quarterback is certain. But I think you have to focus for USC's offense. It's more about it's a it's still a pass first offense. No matter what Clayton says, you have to have a, a passing quarterback. And I and for Brandon Winbush, I thought he played great. To me, he's not a, a great throwing quarterback. And he was at one point in the game, he was two of six. Both those completions were touchdowns. So. He was missing some wide-open guys, but he threw some nice balls, too. It was just a little bit more erratic than what you'd want, but obviously he's a phenomenal runner. Um, I would say he's leaning more towards the the running side than the passing side. I think USC's recruited more. Uh, you're on the passing side, guys that can run, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, to me, it doesn't matter what race the guy is, but you know, as long as you want to fit what your scheme is. Um, you can disagree with the scheme and all that kind of stuff, but I just don't think Winbush would be a perfect fit in USC system. Uh, just from what I've seen, it just doesn't seem to be he's more of a throw first kind of guy. So he could have had, you know, four or five more touchdown passes in that game. I mean, he missed some wide open dudes. USC was dedicated to stop the run and not only didn't stop the run, but they were leaving guys wide open in the secondary. And Winbush had a couple of them, but missed a whole bunch more. Um, all right, here's our next one. Hi, this is Dan from West Covina. Um, it's been a while since I've called, but I feel like I got to. Um, Notre Dame's quarterback, Wimbush, is a, basically a tailback with a Pop Warner arm. Now, everyone knows that he's going to use his legs and try to hit the corners, and I find it really hard to believe USC does not have the kind of athletes 
needed to contain the guy. You do that, you stop Notre Dame. It seems so simple. I, I just do not, I refuse to believe we do not have the athletes to contain him. I like Rector, he's great, but the guy has no speed, no containment. It's so frustrating to see it. You know it's going to happen, and it happens at nauseum. There's so much frustration. I don't know where the young players are coming from or if they even exist. They don't get a chance to play. Um, I think we're so short-sighted. I really feel like Coach Helton needs to rethink his staff. Otherwise, the guy is gone. You know, everyone tells me about making it to the Rose Bowl, but Sam Darnold basically put the team on his back and won the game and saved his career. You know, I think we need more than this because, I mean, the way I see it, we're not going to get any better anytime soon, and it's all downhill. we got to do something, and it's got to happen now. He's got to make some unpopular moves. He's got to move some coaches. He's got to put some players and give us a chance to win because it's pretty obvious what was going to happen, but we still blew it. So frustrating. How come we can't get the other players in the game if we know what the other team's going to do? Sad. Hey, Dan, uh, West Covina, thanks for that question. And, yeah, this was a one-dimensional team for the most part, like I was saying uh, to the last voicemail, and USC couldn't stop that. Couldn't stop either dimension, uh, to be fair. So, yeah, I, mean, I put that on coaches. I put that on scheme. Um, I you know, typically like uh, Clancy Pendergast and the schemes he kind of brings. It just whatever they were doing there was not working. Um, and, you know, certainly having some guys banged up on the defensive line is one thing. But, you know, decisions early in the year to not play some of the guys that are playing right now, maybe that's coming back to haunt you because now you're putting them in, a, you know, starting for the first time like a Brandon Peely. Um, it would have been good to have him get a bunch more reps earlier in the season, things like that. So there was decisions made, and maybe you know you reap what you sow. So if you're not going to play guys, and then guys get hurt, you're putting in guys that never play because you weren't playing them before. Um, yeah, as far as making tough decisions, he's got to do that. I think um, he did after you know he was permanently hired and fired most of the defensive staff, uh, but that was sort of uh, almost forced, and it wasn't his guys, as Dan Weber pointed out yesterday. These guys uh, are his guys. So if things aren't working, you got to make changes. So but my theory is they're not going to be a bunch of big changes this week. We're going to go to practice later today, and I'll find out. But I think changes will only happen if USC loses this game to Arizona State or, or loses to Arizona at home, things like that. So I think that's when um, when you might see some changes. So my, my that's just my take. It's just my take is they can still win the Pac-12 South. They're going to stick to what they've been doing. Even though, like you said, it just isn't working. You gotta, you gotta mix some things up here. All right, here's a, another. Oh, um, one more question. Well, a couple more. Hi, uh, this is Richard from Toluca Lake. Just got done watching the Notre Dame game. I've been a Notre Dame USC fan since 1964. One of the worst games ever. Uh, offensive, defensive lines extremely soft. They can't push anybody around. Secondary. I'm sorry, Eamon Marshall got hurt, but he's been one of the main problems the entire year of getting burned. And I think that uh, Helton has to take uh, most of the blame for it. T. Martin, uh, offense, coaching, play calling. Here you have last week the tight ends, three touchdowns. I don't think they caught a pass today. Something's got to change, and it's got to change quick with all these five-star recruits we get in. We're playing soft, and uh, Helton is not making these guys live up to expectations. Thanks very much, and fight on. Richard and Toluca Lake. Soft is a good way to put it. Uh, I would agree um, with what you're saying there. 
it was you know, as far as the loss goes, it's one of the worst losses you know in recent memory. Um, certainly to a rival, the you know just the way USC came out and played. It's not just about okay, that's a loss. It's out of conference. It doesn't really matter. It was a blowout. It wasn't close. Um, it was a, a loss that Notre Dame put a ton into this game. The, it meant a lot. You could tell to Notre Dame. And did it really mean a lot to USC? It didn't look like it out there. It looked like it was just another game. You're trying to just go along. And um, yeah, I think you gotta. I, I think there's some some changes that do need to be made. You got to make some tough decisions. Uh, we'll see. Like I said before, I'm just not sure that's going to happen until they lose another uh, Pac-12 game. And yeah, they didn't uh, complete a pass to the tight end. Um, that's been inconsistent. The whole balanced offense uh, to me is just—it's not an identity. Balance is not an identity. Um, you don't balance for the sake of balance. If a team—if you can run all over a team, you run all over them. If you can pass all over the team, you pass all over them. Like balance as a goal in general, it's like okay, you'd like to be able to do both. But to me, balance means. You don't have to do both in every game. It depends on what's going on in that game. If the game, if they're stacking the box, screw the run. You just throw the ball and make them back off, and then you can you know you create balance by passing the crap out of them, and then and moving the ball on the ground later on when they have to adjust their defense. But just you know, well, we got to be balanced. Like no, you don't. Like I, I just don't get the whole. There's too much talk about balance. It happened on uh, Trojans Live last night. He talked about that too, and it's just to me. It's, you're about winning games. If you if you have to throw every single down or you have to run every single down, USC has the horses to be able to do both of those things. That's good balance. Like it's not a team that can't throw. It's not a team that can't run. But it doesn't mean you have to do both. Like oh, do run for it. We just did three runs, so make sure you run three passes. It's just that's not balance. That's not necessary. Okay, uh, here's another voicemail. Hey, this is Eddie uh, from Vegas by way of Chicago. I know we ain't supposed to be talking about gambling, but uh, want to make money? Bet against USC, bet against Tennessee, bet against Florida State. You'll clean up every time. My question, I don't know who the guest is there, but my question is, what do you all think about this Matt Fink? Seems like a gamer to me. I don't know. All right, I'll take the answer off the air, and as always, Take Youngstown State and the points. This is Eddie from Vegas by way of Chicago. All right, Eddie from Vegas by way of Chicago. I was just in Chicago uh, for the game. And, uh, yeah, if you bet against USC all year, you'd be doing really, really well. The Trojans are 1-7 and seven against the number, against the spread. So the only time they covered was against Stanford. I made a rule at, at some point in the season that I would not pick USC to cover any spreads. I broke my own rule this past week. I, for some reason, thought USC would cover against Notre Dame. I was wrong. I'm not breaking the rule for the rest of the year. So um, this is part of the Pac-12 podcast, which is coming up a little bit later on today. Uh, David Woods and myself, since we normally do those on Monday, but I was traveling, so we're going to do a Pac-12 podcast later on Tuesday, which is today. Um, And, yes, USC has not been good at covering the spread. Uh, You are exactly right. As far as Matt Fink goes... Um, yeah, he looks pretty good. He got some more action in this one. You would like to see him get action in a blowout win, not a blowout loss. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's looking better. I think he's improved a lot. To, to if you want to, you know, we bag on the coaches a lot. If you want to give the coaches credit, I think they've developed him pretty well. It looks like he's coming along um, and uh, playing a lot better than than what I've seen when he first got here. So I just thought he was kind of a throwaway guy when they brought him in. Um, 
you know, they had they actually, had a, you know, KJ Costello or Shea Patterson had a good shot at either one of those. They kind of tried to do, get both or play both, and it just they didn't get either one, and they ended up getting Matt Fink. But I think he's come along, and uh, he's certainly, uh, you know, his legs uh, can can motor. He can motor, so um, he's a good athletic quarterback. Uh, can move, and uh, we'll see. You know, I think he can throw the ball all right. Um, we haven't seen have have to do that in game situations where it's like it really matters. Uh, that's a whole different story. But you know, I, I think he's looking better than people thought. So thanks for that question. We got one last voicemail, and then we'll start to read all your emails. Hi, Ryan and gang. This is Alan from St. Louis. As always, before I begin, I want to thank you and everyone else at UFCFootball.com for the work your team does. It's a great service to the fans, and you always deliver a great product. My question is for anyone who's willing to take it. In fact, I would have my hearing from each of your guests this week if you would allow that. So as expected, many USC fans are angry at the coaching staff and hopeful for personnel changes after Notre Dame's well-deserved thumping of the Trojans. Normally, I'd write most of this off as hyperbolic knee-jerking, but anyone who's been paying close attention to the team over the past two years knows that Coach Helton and his staff haven't inspired confidence even when they were winning. My question is this. Uh, I don't mean to be dire, but why do you think USC fans should think the situation would improve with a new staff? People seem to forget that P. Carroll was an incredibly lucky fluke to what was then considered a very underwhelming hire. In fact, you have to go all the way back to Howard Jones to find a USC coach who had a strong winning record with another program before coming to L.A. Even John McKay and P. Carroll had weak prior resumes or other coaches who were successful didn't even coach at the head coaching level at all. If we fired Helton, my gut tells me we'd just end up with Ed Orgeron or another USC guy, quote-unquote. Uh, we just don't hire top talent. Am I being too cynical, or is there something to this? Thanks, and as always, fight on. Allen in St. Louis. Hey, that's a great call. Uh, hyperbolic knee-jerking. Love that. Uh, I'm going to have to use that down the road somewhere. Yes, okay. So, And actually, um, our buddy Michael Castillo from Rain of Troy tweeted out like all the, the recent not recent, but the, all the historic hires USC has brought in for head coaches. And it, it's been, you know, forever since, like you mentioned, uh, Howard Jones, the last time they brought in a successful head coach. Now, to me, that's on the administration. And you could look at a Pete Carroll, obviously very successful. There were positives where he was a, a former, you know, um, head coach in, in the NFL who went to the playoffs two out of his four years, and but had a college personality. And I think there was... If you're going to, you know, you could say it's a lucky fluke or you could say it's like, hey, we saw something here that was going to work. It wasn't some guy with USC ties. The nepotism stuff really bugs me. It's like you don't need to hire someone that you know that's been an offensive coordinator or whatever. I, You know, I, I like Clay Helton a lot, but I, I maintain that USC shouldn't hire someone with his resume um, because he had never been a head coach before. It's not a training ground, you know. Um, to You know, Clay Helton's credit. You won a whole bunch of games, you know, but they haven't been looking real good right now, and that's why people are kind of bringing this up. It's up to the administration, and it's up to the the boosters and fans and everybody to hold them accountable and say we're tired of hiring projects, we're tired of hiring people that are uh, you know unproven. Go out and get the best coach. Don't look for a diamond in the rough. Don't look for a guy. Well, I know him, and and that could be good. Uh, even the athletic director hirings. I mean. You know, Pat Hayden, Lin Swan, Mike Garrett. I mean, you're talking about what are you hiring? You're just hiring former players. Like, those are people you know. Like, we know him. Why didn't you go out and get – what did Alabama do? They hired the athletic director from Arizona, thought of to be one of the best in the country, if not the best. USC could have went and done that. You know, would you jump from Arizona? Yes, go get an athletic director. The problem is I feel like 
that would wrinkle a lot of feather. You know, that would just um, that would change things up. USC does need to change things up. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Clay Helton. I think that he's got the ability to turn things around. And you know, if they win the Pac-12 uh, and they you know go to a good bowl game, it's going to you know it's going to change a lot of things. They finish with two losses. You overlook that, that you know you beat UCLA. You can overlook that. People were going to fire him last year after one and three, and he won the Rose Bowl. So I'm not saying that that can't happen. It certainly can happen. But if they continue on the trajectory they're on right now and struggle and don't win the South, and that's going to be a problem. And Lin Swan might want to make a change. Does he go hire a friend? Does he go, or is it like, do you get okay? Who's the best possible coach and just go get him? Now that's not a guarantee. Do you go hire the best possible coach, and they have success? But you should try that. Like USC hasn't tried that since 1925, right? They haven't gone out and tried to get a proven head coach. That's your odds are better. Like, would you rather if if you people say, oh, star rankings don't matter? They do matter. They're like, well, this guy made it to the NFL and he was only a three star. Yes, that's a, that's more rare. Your odds, if you're a five star player coming out of high school, you are many, many times more likely to make the NFL than the average three-star coming out. Now, does it mean three-stars can't make it? You can go get, you know, hey, we only want to get three-stars because we've there's some make it to the NFL. But your odds of making it are much lower than if you get a five-star. So go out and get the five-star coach. It doesn't guarantee he's going to win. It doesn't guarantee you're going to bring you championships. But you have a much better shot bringing in a guy that's done it before, that's had a proven track record, and can navigate all the problems that you have as a head coach. So it's not that you, you know, there might be the best head coach in the world is some dude playing cricket in India. You just don't know. Like, who knows? But you'd rather get someone that has proven it before. Go out and get that person. So whatever happens, whenever USC has to replace Clay Helton, it's got to happen at some point. I'm not saying it's next year. I'm not saying, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever it is, if Clay Helton makes some run and wins a whole bunch of national championships, I think you want to, the next guy you hire should be someone that's proven. Now, if it's some where Helton does make some crazy run and he's got a coach in waiting, you know, that you could do that too. We've seen, uh, you know, people do that. It's workplaces. It's not worked in other places, you know, having a coach in waiting, things like that. But whenever USC hires someone's new, the next hire, I would think go out and get the, don't get the diamond in the rough. You go to Tiffany's. You're the corner window, the biggest damn diamond that you see in the window, that's the one you get. The one that everyone else wants, that you're still USC, you're a top five program all time, you go get them. And people say, oh, what if they fire Helton? How could they get? It's like, if they fire Helton because he lost too many games in his second year, it's not going to dissuade someone that's a really good head coach. That They're going to say, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to win. It's not, yes, they took their former interim, hired him, and then fired him two years later. That's not a deterrent to hire another amazing head coach. You go and whoever it is, you go to the big name. Like Chip Kelly's going to go, you know what? They got rid of that guy so quickly. Chip Kelly's going to say, he was an interim. They probably shouldn't have hired him to begin with. If he struggles, I'll go in there and I'll win. Whoever it is. So I, I don't buy the, the bunk that if you fire someone now, how are you going to get somebody else? That's bull crap to me. Just just utter crap. So never, never bought that in one second. USC has to act like they are a top five program. The way they've been hiring people, they are not acting like that. But they are. Everyone else thinks they are. If everyone else thinks you are, and you can bring in recruits, and you don't have the kind of competition, you can recruit like Alabama, except 
you don't have competition in the same way. If there's a five-star in L.A., 95% of the time, USC is going to get them if they want them. So um, you just have to act like it. Just act like you've been there. And uh, they just haven't as far as the hires go. Okay, that's my little uh, coaching rant. But great one, uh, Alan in St. Louis. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we're going to start. Whew, okay, we're going to start doing some of these uh, email questions. So I'm going to try to read them all, and I'll just try to go through them, give some quick thoughts on each one, because there are a ton. There's pages and pages of them. All right, first up is Tito from Portland. Hope all is well. My question is for you. How do you regroup a team that has struggled all season uh, and a team that suffered a big loss to a rival? Uh, yeah, that's the that's certainly the coach's job. Tito, he's got to do it. And uh, I think you got to make some changes. I think you got to practice a little harder. There's all this debate about you know, how many teams actually tackle and practice. I know some teams do. Some teams are at least in pads more. They're hitting more. They're doing Oklahoma drills. I'm not saying you have to like run full scrimmages and tackle to the ground in practice. But you can be more physical in practice uh, than what USC is. And, and coaches certainly do that. I think that's something that you have to kind of look at. you gotta, you got to mix it up a little bit. Uh, otherwise, it's going to keep the same things are going to keep happening. Don in Dubai said, USC lost the most physical players on the defense, Stevie Tuukolavatu, and offense, Juju Smith-Schuster. No players this year have been able to bring that mentality to the team. Helton doesn't appear to insist on physical play. Certainly T doesn't, since running the, uh, the running attack is not emphasized. I believe Bubba is one of the more physical players, but he doesn't see the field. He's talking about Bubba Bolden. As he needs to play uh, one of their lesser talented players who can instill toughness to the lineup. Who should that be? Um, yeah, I think you definitely need to bring a sense of toughness, uh, you know, to there. And it's, you know, it's guys you see at practice, you got to bring them in and let them play and let them play harder in practice. It's hard to find that, hey, who's tough when you're not really playing all that tough in practice. Now, they say they're playing tough. I'm just not seeing it. Um, I'd like to see more hitting. I'd like to see more uh, do a second day in full pads, send some sort of message. Yeah, it's banged up, but I, I think if you get – you know, if you got 11 guys on defense playing tougher, but you lose one of them for an injury because you played too hard in practice, is that worth it? Where you got, well, you got 10 guys that are going to play better, uh, and you're not playing that without one. And they are, you know, they already get, they've already had a bunch of injuries playing. You know, they had the most injuries when they didn't do one padded practice on the short week before Washington State. So, are you guaranteed to get injuries when you you, you play a little harder in practice? No. Um, so I'd like to see that. John and PV. Uh, he's got like four questions here, man. We can't have another Larry Smith. We went to the Rose Bowl and then had a weak season the following year. If that's going to happen, we need to let Clay go. Larry Smith went to three Rose Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but once his players were there, that didn't change. Uh, you can play half speed in practices. I hear this happens a lot from Dan Weber. When you do this, uh, you lose speed in tackling during regular games, as well as have many penalties. That's what's been happening. We've talked about that. If we're going to the red shirt, uh, if we're going to red shirts, they're fine. But you have talent on the bench that are five star players that came to USC not to be benched. Next up, and that's it. Yeah, I, I don't buy a lot of the the injury talk because um, there's still a bunch of guys there. It's not like you're if you're down to like walk ons, and plus your quarterback's been out there, and that's you know we've seen teams have to go with their third string quarterback and still be competitive and win games. Unless Helton and Martin can face the decision, uh, face their decision making because of holding people out and fear to play some of the new kids on the bench. Fear doesn't win games. I, I think that's a great point. If you're playing because you're afraid, if you're doing something because you're afraid of this happening, that doesn't help you win games. If you're afraid, well, I'm afraid someone's going to get hurt. Then you're you're going in with the fear. You have to go out and like, hey, we need to be physical. Let's go play. 
not, ah, we want to be physical, but let's not do it by being physical because I'm afraid we're going to get hurt. So to me, I, get, I think that's a great point. Um, he said, I'm sorry to say Clay looks like Larry Smith at this point. We'll lose a couple more at the end of the season and go eight and four. Thanks for opportunity and fight on John and PV. That's certainly, um, that's a reality. So what, what games are left? Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and UCLA. So you have four games left. Arizona and Arizona State are playing really well right now. Um, we see, you see Khalil Tate from Sarah High School running the football. USC couldn't stop uh, Brandon Wimbush. Are they going to be able to stop Khalil Tate? Uh, there's you know two more losses, potentially three more losses with UCLA. That's a real possibility. I think Colorado's terrible. But the way USC's playing right now, like we said, even the way they played against Oklahoma, uh, uh, Oklahoma State, excuse me, Oregon State, it was a blowout win. They weren't playing well. And we felt that if they played like that against anyone else, they would lose. Um, so, yeah, there's more losses that are potential here. And that's what USC fans are mad about. Yes, the Pac-12 South, you know, they could turn it around, play the potential, win the rest of the games, and make a good bowl game, win the championship. You know, all that stuff is still in play. But this is going to be a really tough road night game against Arizona State, who's playing really well right now. Don says, uh, how do you think this incompetent coaching staff, mainly Helton and Martin, will affect recruiting next year? Swan is on a hotter seat than Helton. Swan needs to fix this ASAP. Do you think USC quit against Notre Dame? Don. Okay, Lynn Swan's not on the hot seat. He just got hired. So, uh, no. Incompetent coaching, I mean, that's your opinion. Certainly people have uh, have written in and, and said the same sort of thing. As far as affecting recruiting... Um, I don't think it has a huge impact on recruiting. I mean, you had a couple guys from modern day there, but I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to go to USC. He went to Notre Dame. Like, he goes to visit Notre Dame. His brother plays on the team. His brother played well. I don't think that's going to make him want to go to Notre Dame. There's reasons his dad didn't want him to go to Notre Dame. Now, there could be reasons. It's not just about losing, but uh, if you saw Michael Pittman Sr., his dad tweeting out some of the stuff, not happy with the USC staff, not happy with the way he's been playing, does that get around to recruits? Like something like that could certainly impact recruiting, but ha- going on a visit to see a team lose, uh, that usually doesn't do it. I don't think USC quit against Notre Dame, Don, but I don't think they showed up to play. I, you, to quit, you'd have to get started, and they never really did. Adam in San Diego, do you think it would be far too far-fetched to make an outside hire such as Chip Kelly as offensive coordinator? Do you think he would take the job if offered? USC clearly needs a proven offensive mind. Thanks for what you do, Adam in San Diego. I, a lot of people don't like Chip Kelly. They think, oh, it's a gimmick offense. I think he's a great coach. He would not work to be the offensive coordinator for Clay Helton. So that's that's not happening. You'd have to hire him as a head coach. And what I like about his offense is I like innovators. You know, Chip Kelly is an innovator. Now, you could say, has everyone caught up to him? It's never going to work and blah, blah, blah. It didn't really work in the NFL. But in college, it does. And I think it still would. There are people that run what he's doing and have a lot of success. But he's the one that created, you know, it's, he's one of those creators. He's one of those innovators, and he can make adjustments and make things work in a different way. He innovated it the first time. It's not like you invented one thing and you just walk away from it. So I think you get someone like that who's at the top of a guru tree, not someone that, like, learned from somebody who learned from somebody who learned from somebody. Then you're not really an innovator of the offense. I just don't see anyone on the USC staff that was one of the innovators or learning from one of the innovators, maybe outside of Tyson Helton, who was. Uh, with Jeff Brom at um, uh, Western Kentucky. So, um, like, you know, Sark and Lane, did they innovate the the offense? No, they was like, this was the newest offense, and they were trying to run that. But they never, like, 
were coaches under someone like a Chip Kelly, Hal Mummy, or whatever, you know, Mike Leach, people that were like these innovators of the offense. I don't know where they learned it. They just kind of, did they pick up a book and learn it or watch other people? I'm not really sure. Uh, Oscar said, hey guys, this is a question for anybody. Is it me or was that NBC broadcast prepared for a game when Sam was going to have an amazing night, even so, to have the camera on his family? I thought I even heard Mike Tirico saying he thought the night was going to belong to Sam, but ended up being Winbush's night. I think they they were surprised on how bad USC was that night. Kind of embarrassing, if you ask me. Thanks, great love of the podcast. Fight on and go Dodgers, Oscar. Yeah, I mean, so you know, NBC gets six or seven games a year. They're going to go with the big storylines. What's going on? That Doug Flutie was at practice a couple of times talking to Sam. Sam Darnold was going to be the the entire focus. I mean, that's for the opponent. They're selling this game. They want these teams to be ranked. They want both teams to be ranked. So, yeah, that's going to be that's one of the the big major talking points for this production crew when they went into it. Uh, they don't know how he's going to play. Obviously, I mean, he played okay, but he turned the ball over a bunch of times. That's you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a Sam Darnold like performance, and we just haven't seen as many of them. The turnovers are just killing that. Don says, it's embarrassing to hear Helton constantly say, I need to look at film. I don't know the difference between an RPO and a PAT, but I don't think, I don't need to look at film to see where the deficiencies of this team in game planning and coaching, where game planning and coaching. If Helton is honest with himself, the coaching will never get better. Helton is putting, I'm sorry, if Helton's never honest with himself, it will never get better. He's putting Swan on the hot seat. Swan is responsible for the success of the program. Uh, Don, yeah, I don't know about him putting Swan on the hot seat thing again, but, um, I think, you know, we talked to some former players. Uh, they said the same thing. It's like, you don't need to look at film for that. You get If you get dominated at the line of scrimmage, I don't know. It's not like, well, you missed this gap or anything. It's just you're getting dominated. So, yeah, I wasn't a whole into the look at film. If everything you – your whole plan is blown up and you need to look at film to find out what it was, I'm just not sure. It's just – it's more about, yeah, man, we came in with this game plan and it sucked. The game plan was terrible to start. We played. We executed a terrible. We got physically dominated. It just, you know, it was trash. So what do we do next time to fix that? Well, we got to change our game plan because it was awful. Frank in Sacramento. When Darnold fumbled in the opening snap, we knew the Sports Illustrated cover drinks was real. One of his many strengths last year was never being rattled on any bad snap. Um, I don't about the cover jinks. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Um, being rattled on bad snaps. I, I don't know if he was rattled. It was. It was a bad snap. He didn't get a hold of it. He should have just went down. He's a guy that tries to make a play. He stood up too long, tried to do something that there was nothing there. Just go down, and you keep the ball. Um, but obviously, you know, you look at that. Yes, that's huge momentum in the beginning. But the way the game played out, it, it really was inconsequential. It, you, Notre Dame was going to dominate no matter what happened there. Have you entertained the idea of having Clay or T on the podcast so we can grill them properly? Uh, Robin, um, yeah, I've had uh, I've had Tion. Um, haven't had, so I've had other head coaches. We've talked to Clay. Um, you know, we've had him on different shows. We'll, we'll try. To, we'll get him on probably in the off season when it's easier. But it's not like during the week uh, having you know, and and I don't know how you can really grill him. I'll be asking the questions. You guys can send some stuff in. But um, yeah, I mean, T was great. Uh, we had a good time with him. Dylan McCullough. You know, we've had coaches on, and uh, you know, former head coaches too. We'll get Clay on. Um, we are trying to work it out, but then Dan ended up having like a sit-down with him. So we kind of went with that on the website as opposed to having him on the podcast. Dominic in South Bend. Oh, so he got to see that in person. Good morning from South Bend. 
I'm waking up this morning disgusted after going to the game and watching that pathetic performance. From the beginning, uh, it was clear Notre Dame was a more physical team on both sides of the ball. It was almost like USC was playing scared on offense. I mean, just one shot deep the whole game. And, of course, Darnold misses Mitchell. Even worse, you take a delay, a game penalty out of a timeout and then miss a cheap shot, a chip shot after the penalty. How does that happen? Give Notre Dame a lot of credit getting it done, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that the Chargers weren't ready at all. Interested in your thoughts. Yeah, Doug, we talked about this before. I, they didn't look ready at all. This was One team was ready, one team was not. And uh, USC was certainly not ready. Playing scared. Yeah, I, I think you could see that a little bit, but just the, the other you know, emailer said about fear. Like, I don't think you can coach with fear. I don't think you can play with, well, we're worried about this happening. We're worried about that. It's like, you do something well, just go out and do it. And like, well, if we if we pass too many times, I'm worried that we're not going to be balanced. Like, forget that stuff. Whatever's working, you got to go with it. Nick in Cyprus. So this is for the sky is falling and everyone jumping off Sears Towers. Um, is Clay Hel- uh, is Coach Helton seriously on the hot seat where he could get fired, or will the Rose Bowl hold him? Uh, safely at the helm of USC. What is Lynn Swan's view on this garbage that has been a season? Yes, we can win, but uh, we can beat teams like Oregon State. Um, and then we play Alabama. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're saying there, Nick. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't think the sky is falling. Uh, it's not, It's not. but it's not like, oh, everything's good. You can still win the, the Pac-12 South either. Um, the Rose Bowl, I think, gives him a lot of leash. I think he didn't have a lot of leash last year when they were one and three. I mean, to turn things around completely, he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, he won the rest of his games and won the Rose Bowl. And you had a, a young quarterback that looked like was leading the way. Well, for whatever reason, that young quarterback doesn't look the same this year. Um, there's a lot of potential for you know disaster where it's not just losing some games and not winning the South and go into like the Sun Bowl or something and USC fans would not be happy. What if a Sam Darnold who doesn't play all that well ends up leaving, opting out for the NFL because he doesn't feel like coming back would help his game more and then other guys leave or guys transfer. I mean, there's a, you know, that would put a lot of pressure, I think, on Lynn Swan. We just don't know. We don't know what's going to, we got to see how the last four games finish out and, you know, if USC makes a Pac-12 championship game, how they look there and kind of go forward from that. But you just don't know at this point. Um, there's just so much on the table still. And uh, Lin Swan will certainly, you know, potentially have a tough decision. Trent, a uh, longtime listener here in Georgia, had a feeling Notre Dame would run the ball over our defense and embarrass USC on national TV. You were right. Uh, maybe that will motivate this team to get things together. We will see. After watching the game, I have several concerns on both sides of the ball. First, what are the percentage you give T. Martin landing the UT uh, for being let go or being let go by Helton. Uh, no um, percentages, no idea. Uh, it depends a lot. I don't think anything's going to happen until the end of the year, no matter what. But I don't think UT is going to hire T. Martin right now. If that's the case, who are the candidates to fill his role? Maybe Mark Helfrich, Chip Kelly, or Tyson Helton. Um, I think Tyson Helton would be the most likely. If something happens with T. Martin, I think Tyson Helton's the most likely guy. I see Sam coming back next season. Uh, the sophomore slump could really hurt his draft position uh, this year. You're right. But would would coming back to to this kind of dysfunction that's going on right now help it anymore? So if not, then he might go. Second question about the defensive side of the ball. Why is it we don't rotate four- and five-star recruits in the game? Well, recruits can't play. They're not eligible, so that's why. No, but if you're talking about some of the young players, uh, they're doing it by necessity now. 
Uh, but yeah, I think they should have done that earlier too. I feel like coaching staff isn't utilizing its full talent of players like Murphy, Wally, Ross, who's finally getting some time, could be a hybrid player like Cravens and Jones. Get the most talented players on the field. I feel as if the defense is worn down by the middle of the third quarter. If they would have set packages, the starters would still be fresh leading into the last half of the third quarter. Last observation is that we are soft. Clay started, uh, stated that they were a sad football team after the loss. It should piss you off, not make you get sad, to get embarrassed like they did. Maybe next year we'll see a team dominate people like they did during the PKR era. Thanks for all your team does, Trent. Um, yeah, so we talked about the rotating stuff a whole bunch. Um, yeah, that's just not Clancy Pendergast's uh, philosophy, so they don't do it. And yeah, the team has played soft, Trent. You can't argue with that. Hey, Parastyle Podcast crew, after watching the first half of the Notre Dame game, I decided to turn off the TV. Okay, oh, this is a text message, by the way. Our off- I think the last one was too, from Trent. Our, our offense uh, in this game is unwatchable. The coaches never seem to be able to motivate the team or prepare them for games, and this first half demonstrated. When will Helton realize that T is a promising offensive coordinator, but not for a program like USC, where we strive to compete with the coaching staffs of Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama? Thanks to Fight On, Scott in San Diego. So another... Uh, not a vote of confidence for T. Martin. And, I, you know, I, I love T. Martin to death. I think he's done a great job on the staff. I mean, he, he's the best recruiter. He more than hold, he, he basically carries some of the other coaches on the staff when it comes to recruiting. So, But he's never been an offensive coordinator before. And, and when you're talking about, like, a first-time head coach and a first-time offensive coordinator, you know, Justin Wilcox is a first-time head coach. He hired a former head coach as offensive coordinator. He hired a former head coach as defensive coordinator. That makes more sense to me. So as much as I love T, I, I see your point. Question about, uh, from Aaron in Texas, another text message. Please explain why we call these corny run plays. I swear every time we run on the same formation, it's so predictable. I think Clay Elton and offensive staff, special teams coaches are in over their heads. After the season, Lin Swan needs to make a decision. Uh, we talked about that a bunch. Um, yeah, as far as cor- I don't know about corny running plays, but yeah, I think some of the run plays are coming from predictable formations and especially the short yard stuff, and it's just getting blown up. So something's got to change there. So Eric of Troy from Rancho Cucamonga, text message, I'm sitting here in Notre Dame Stadium watching a Trojan team that's simply undercoached and unprepared. It's halfway through the second quarter. Man, this is an early one. And we look like we skipped practice all week and walked to South Bend. Is anyone now ready to admit that the coaching staff is a bust? I'm sick to my stomach. If this was a fight, the referee would stop it right here. Sir Eric of Troy. You're right, Sir Eric of Troy. They would have stopped the the fight. Um, they didn't skip practice. I was at practice. They actually did practice. But I felt like, and I tweeted this when I was at the game, I took a red eye out and got there Saturday morning, took a, a train from Chicago to down, from O'Hare to downtown, took an Uber to my buddy's house, took a quick nap, uh, drove, you know, got some lunch, drove two hours, you know, eat deep, deep, ate deep dish pizza, which was amazing. Drove, you know, two hours or so to the game, ran into a whole bunch of people at tailgates, talked to them, took pictures with people, went into the press box, started going. And I felt it looked I felt more refreshed and into it than the players looked on the field. So something wasn't right. Drew in West L.A., the biggest problem for the Trojans this year has been the offensive line. Unfortunately, we lost three of the most physical offensive linemen from last year's squad. Have not found any suitable replacements. Even before Viana went down, they have, have not looked physical at all and have uh, given Sam almost no time to get comfortable. Just look at the body language from the first snap. Seven yards rushing in the first half. Their weakness has really led to a drop in confidence uh, all the way around this team, including the defense, especially with Gustin, their most product, uh, physical player on D. 
Darnold has tried his best, but under duress every play. Uh, let's see. It does not seem like the problem to get fixed anytime soon. Not having a fullback makes it even worse. How does the staff go about addressing uh, the problem? Yeah, there's uh, Clay Hilton talked about, that's Drew in West LA, talked about physical beats happening on the offensive line. Um, and I think that's happening for sure. Now, you know, got banged up a little bit, but you got, you know, Viani's really the only guy out. Um, they have other guys that are playing, guys are getting playing time. It's something you got to address and you got to change. Like, you got to do something different, not just keep going along the same way, the same path. But, you know, I agree with you there. Jeff, the math teacher, I'm not one to call for firing coaches, but it's unfathomable that a program with so many of the finest 20, 18 to 21 year old athletes in the United States can't find a single guy who can properly feel the punt. Such blatant disregard for one of the most basic aspects of preparing to play a football game seems mind blowingly irresponsible. Love the show. And I know you'll probably get 17,000 comments this week, so I understand if you don't read this. Well, I did, Jeff. Thanks for always being there for us fans when we need a sounding board. Jeff, yeah, um, they need to do better on special teams as a whole. I kind of went on a bit of a rant yesterday uh, with on our Dan Weber show. I'll do it. I'll do a quick one here. Um, Jack Jones, if you wanted to get him to return punts, maybe not start him at Notre Dame in that kind of environment. He probably should have been doing it a couple weeks before. Jenny Harris, who I love to death, should have been replaced earlier. Maybe use two punt returns. Do something different. I put this on John Baxter. Um, you have a full-time special teams coordinator. They've been bad. Like, really bad. And the best aspects have been individual performances by a punter and a kicker who are both walk-ons. And those guys didn't play that well against Notre Dame either. So, overall, I mean, I want to go back and watch the tape and find, like, the good special teams plays there just weren't there were so many bad ones there just weren't a lot of good ones so um yeah but thanks for that we had another one from jeff the math teacher he said okay notre dame was clearly a better football team if they played 10 times notre dame would probably win 10 of uh, nine of them but what the heck is going on with the officiating i mean it's like they wanted to make sure usc never had a chance first quarter apparently if you strip the ball after the play it's dead it still counts as a strip yeah, it was, that was hard. To, it was hard to tell on that one, but they call it a, a fumble, and it was a fumble. Apparently, later when ND gets called for holding on first down, they get penalized ten yards. Is it still first and ten? Not first and twenty. I didn't notice that. ND tackles a receiver in the end zone, but it's not an automatic first down. Uh, okay, I didn't see that. USC calls a timeout just to get the refs to their act together, but they still screw it up. And they call it delay a game on USC the next play. I think that's on USC. If you're talking about the the holding, holding on a pass play is an automatic first down, defensive holding. Holding on a run play, and play being a sack, is not an automatic first down. So it was the right call. Um, I would have liked to have seen how the game might have gone if ND didn't get spotted all those early advantages. Probably still a loss, maybe not not quite so embarrassing. Um, Jeff, I think your grasp minutes draws, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't think the officiating was great, but... USC got blown out. You, the, the officials didn't make USC's offensive-defensive line get blown off the ball. No matter what you're going to do, you're getting blown off the ball like that, um, you're going to lose. Dennis says, hey, Ryan, this is Dennis from Lancaster. With another embarrassing performance by USC and all the same mistakes they made in week one still happening, in your opinion, will Coach Helton finally make coaching changes or are you too much of a nice guy to let it ride till the end of the season? One thing is for sure, the staff can no longer use the same BS excuse that we're 6-1 and one to cover up all the coaching mistakes. Fight on. Thanks for your podcast, Dennis M. I think we addressed this a whole bunch of times, Dennis. Um, my thoughts are if if something changes, I don't think guys are going to get fired on staff, but maybe assignments change. 
I don't think that happens until they lose a Pac-12 game. Don says, mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. Usually a reflection on coaching. This has been an ongoing problem. Ongoing problem is Hilton a mistake. Sam saved his job last year. Without Sam working his magic like last year, this team looks mediocre at best. I believe Helton is on the hot seat depending upon who's available. He could be gone. At least Helton did not say, this is a great team we played tonight. I'm proud of my team. I think he realizes they got their butts beat uh, with or without the mistakes. SC stunk up the place. But I disagree. I think he did say say he did uh, say that was a great team they played tonight and, and complimented Notre Dame a lot, which is fine. Um, but yeah, you got to kind of look internally. What was USC doing that was not fine? There was a lot. Andrew in West LA, can we talk about the strength and conditioning staff, trainers included? USC has known since February how difficult the schedule would be and has had time to prep for this. I understand that injuries are unpredictable, but they're also a given on any football team. We're so beaten up that we can't even tackle in practice, which obviously showed against the Irish. Is anything being done to prevent us from wheeling out a 40-man roster by the end of the season? Andrew in West LA, I think there's criticism all around. Um... I think the strength and conditioning staff, you certainly, you know, there's decisions that were made. And like you said, maybe knowing that this team didn't have a bye week, maybe they changed training a certain direction. Uh, you always make decisions. You know, you have to make a decision of how are we going to get this team ready? Um, and practices, strength and conditioning, all of that stuff you have to put into question when teams come out and they consistently underperform. And that's what this team has done. They've consistently underperformed. So, uh, certainly not um, shielded from criticism, I would say, the strength and conditioning staff. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying oh, it's the reason for all these injuries and stuff like that, but um, all of them, everyone, all those decisions that were made last year, you know, going into the, you know, recruiting, going into the season, whatever it is, how you develop these guys, you can bring all that stuff into question because it's, it's not looking pretty. Christian says, I'm sick and tired of hearing we have a lot of football left from Hilton. Well, to be fair, there's only four games left. It seems like that's his favorite catchphrase. I wish we would show as much passion in his post-game interviews as he does on the sidelines every time he, a ref blows a call. It's, I still believe we have the best quarterback in the nation, so we need him to take over. Stop this. We want to be balanced. BS. Ronald Jones is great, but we're gonna, uh, but he's going to go pro because we can't open up holes for him. Darnold needs to stay because he keeps, keeps throwing picks on the same wheel route, so we have to get the future ready now. Uh, we wait until... We're in a hole to show up any time of urgency. The play calling is so predictable. T. Martin is going to have his growing pains. I understand that. But it's a, it's seven games into the season, eight games now. He still looks like he's calling plays against Alabama a year and a half later. With all that said, do you think we'll see a significant change, either in the play calling or the style of play? Christian, talked about this before, Christian. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if USC loses a Pac-12 game, you might see some changes as far as that stuff goes. Otherwise... Uh, probably not. Okay, Marcel. Was the schedule to make... Was the schedule made to... And he uses the F word, F-U-S-C, or does the Pac-12 not care about health of its players? We play Notre Dame, who is coming off a bye. We have 19 injuries. Who allowed the schedule? Let's, let's do like Alabama and play three high schools and save our players. Even the NFL is an off week for its teams. I, su- I still support Helton, but his assistants have let him down. Marcel, yeah, we've talked about the schedule a whole bunch of times. Um, I think it's on the Pac-12. You can, you know, it'd be better not to have no buy. It'd be better not to have teams go back-to-back road games with a, a, a weekday game, so a, a Saturday road game and then a Friday road game. Um, you can clean things up, and uh, that's on the Pac-12. But USC can push back too, and I don't think USC pushed back on the schedule at all. So 
Um, deplorable Dan and Tustin. Clearly, the coaching staff is overmatched in every sense of the word. That's a common theme uh, with all your questions. When are we going to take this program seriously? We don't need any more pretenders, wannabes, uh, somewhat successful assistants. Any fool can see we are not competitive. Our athletes are either not competitive or not receiving anything close to competent coaching. What it? Uh, what is it? Non-competent athletes or non-competent coaching? Obviously, one or both. It's completely and utterly deficient. Please advise your, uh, your thoughts. Clearly, the program is in ruins. I don't know about that. It's not in ruins, but... It's not doing well. Uh, and unless the, the new standard is set, stay within 35 points of Notre Dame, we are lost. Maybe that's the new reality. It's truly sad uh, what happened to a once-proud program. Deplorable Dan and Tustin. Man, I don't think it's that bad, Dan, but um, it's bad. I'll, I'll give you that. And I think some changes need to be made. I think they need to do different approach. Like I said, I don't think that'll happen unless they lose uh, a Pac-12 game. Worst uh, score since 1977 Montana loss from Steve. Okay. Um, it was a very bad uh, lopsided score. Hey, Ryan. Keeley said they don't tackle in games, and they are definitely not physical in games as a result. I think he, you probably mean practices, uh, Robin. Are they worried about injuries because no tackle and practice methods are not working, Robin, in, in Virginia? Okay, so I think if you look across the board, there's a an NCAA push to have less – uh, physical practices. Okay, so it's not like um, this is something that only USC does, but I think they, they're, you can be more physical than USC is being. It's not like, hey, full, you know, Tuesday, full scrimmage, tackle to the ground sort of thing you would see in fall camp. I don't think that's what you do, but I think it's more of could you run some Oklahoma drills, like the, you know, the ball tackling kind of drills? Can you can you hit more? Can you put pads on an extra day instead of a one less day? I think you can do all those things. So, yes, um, it's uh, there's those are those more decisions that are being made, and I think you need to make a decision where you're going to be more physical than less. It's not about you got to run a full scrimmage in the middle of the week when you're trying to play a game and you don't have a bye week and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, deplorable Dan again. Uh, offense sucks, defense sucks, special team sucks, tackling sucks, play calling sucks, out coach, out schemed. In general, amateurs versus professionals stumble on. All right, Dan. Uh, interesting thoughts there. Uh, let's see. Steve says, so bad. Watching the Yankees instead of the third quarter. Rather watch Penn State uh, beat Michigan. So bad. Redeemable. Arizona State looks better. Steve. Steve, you're right. Arizona State does look better. Um, it's, uh Yeah. They, they, they look really good, and that's going to be a night game on the road. Tough place for USC to go in and win. Robin in, Robin in Virginia again. I was wondering who decides the spread. Is it mathematical, statistical, or what? Be, or, or what? Because USC doesn't come anywhere close to it. So those are. It's not mathematical, but they use formulas. Uh, if, you know, later on the show, uh, when when I'm done with these questions, um, we have Joe Duffy coming on, and he kind of talks about the spread and. You know, there's there's handicappers, there's people that come up with this, and they look at all the stats, they look at everything, they look at the potential. How you know, sometimes a team is, they you know, USC is a team that's loaded with potential, and they can continually underperform because they're one and seven against the spread. The spread is kind of like what they think was going to happen with the potential. Is it's not like this team's better than this. You know, it, it's not always like that, but they're they're trying to set a line that's going to if they set the line all to one side that everyone bets one side, you can lose a lot of money. They're trying to set what you know would equally 
you know, this many people bet on one side, this many people bet on another. It's not completely like that, but you want you want to have balance there. Uh, and the lines move. If a whole bunch of people bet on one side, uh, then they, they, they adjust the line the other direction. So it's it's like a stock market. It, it will change, too, uh, depending on what uh, people are, you know, wh- where people are betting. Thomas says, first off, this is most, one of the most embarrassing USC performances I've seen in years. I'm sick and tired of hearing people blame this season on Sam. The disappointing season is due to two men, Clay Hilton and T. Martin. Clay has his team ill-prepared to play every week. USC does not have a talent problem. It has a lack of effort and discipline problem and falls squarely on the shoulders of the head coach. And there's T. Martin. What a bum. That's kind of harsh. Play calling sucked for yet another week. Uh, here's a thought. Maybe Sam is turning the ball over because he knows the other team knows their tendencies leading him to force the ball into tight, unrealistic windows. Bottom line is everyone on the staff has to go at the end of the year, and I honestly don't care what the recruiting implications are. This team sucks and needs a complete reset with a new coach. Thomas. Okay, so Thomas doesn't want to see anyone come back. I would certainly not say T. Martin's a bum. Um, I think Clay Helen, you can criticize him all, you know, because it's his responsibility to get this team ready to play. When a team comes out and doesn't look ready to play, I'm looking at the head coach first. You know, there's there's re- decisions that were made um, that are pointing in that direction. So uh, that's where I would put most of this. And you like Clayton? I mean, he's a great guy, a great head, you know, I think a great person. I think he can be a great head coach. We're not seeing it this year. We're not seeing him be a great head coach this year. Alex, after watching the debacle against Notre Dame, it's clear that Helton isn't the man for the job. Darnold saved his job last year. hasn't He hasn't shown anything as a head coach. So simple question. What would it take for Helton to get fired at the end of the season? Uh, Alex, I think we talked about this. If they don't win the Pac-12 uh, South, um, then I think there's... Uh, I think there's a, 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 you know, there's a, at least there's a possibility. I think that's how um, that would happen. I think that would give Lin Swan at least some, some ammunition um, if he wants, if that's what he wants to do. He might not want to do that, but we've heard that there's certainly, if USC doesn't win, that Lin Swan, I mean, it's not his guy. You know, Clayton's not his guy. I think Lin Swan would want to get one of his guys in. Now, who the guy is, I have no idea. It would be some like NFL guy that's never coached in college or, I, who knows? But I think for for Clay Helton to get fired, uh, not winning the South is at least the first step. Stephen Poway is true freshman Brandon Pilly. Uh, is he about the only defensive tackle left who is healthy? And Kenny Bigelow just switched from a player to coach. It makes one wonder uh, who is Coach Bigelow going to coach? Is Jay Tufele now uh, a toss in red shirt, uh, ready to toss him into the fire? Stephen Poway, yeah. So um, you, know, you saw Brandon Pilly start. Uh, I talked to him after the game a little bit. Um, Kenny Bigelow, could he potentially come back? Maybe. Uh, they could use some depth there, obviously. Jay Tufele will not play, according to Clay Helton, unless um, yeah, unless there's uh, a couple of injuries. So their plan right now is to redshirt Jay Tufele. All right, we had one last one. I just kind of talked about SC List in Seattle. Uh, doesn't like um, USC's uh, punt return. Um, he said... Pathetic. I'm not placing any fault uh, on the players. Uh, they're probably just doing what they're asked of them. Come on, John Baxter, earn your money because right now you don't appear to be doing a very good job. Um, yeah. So, you know, two different guys back there, Jenny Harris and Jack Jones, have fumbled. Um, I thought they should have, like I said, replaced the Jenny Harris a couple weeks ago um, to put a new guy in. Who I thought, you know, Jack Jones did some good things, like when he caught the ball. And a couple of returns and stuff. They were actually, you know, the ball was being caught. 
Uh, guys were he was running forward. He was making some guys miss, getting some positive plays. But of course, you can't turn the ball over. So they had like kind of a steady what they, was supposed to be the steady handed guy that doesn't return punts, fumble, and you had the the more electric player fumble. Um, I guess you'd rather have the more electric player as long as he doesn't fumble more than the other guy. They both fumbled once now, but that was really his first opportunity. I just think to put him in there at Notre Dame for the first time was probably not smart. Do it at home. Do it against Oregon State. Um, I mean, when you saw Jenny Harris hurt and wasn't able to play in the secondary but still was returning punts, that just was baffling to me. So, yes, I've um, a lot of criticism for the offensive coaching, a lot of criticism for tackling and defensive stuff, but there's a lot of criticism, too, on the special teams unit. You need those units to, to help with field position and certainly not turn the ball over and give up a score, which they did here, but, uh, you know, kicking balls out of bounds, missing short field goals. Like, there's just – there's so many just bad aspects of USC special teams. They spend way too much time on it. They, they allocate scholarships to it. You have a dedicated special teams coach. You have to be – at the very least, above average. And at the very best, this special teams unit is below average, and I would say it's worse than that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a fair criticism there. All right. Whew. So, that was a lot of emails. That was a lot of voicemails, and we do appreciate it. I think we got through all of the questions you've sent in after the Notre Dame game. Now, Dan Weber put up a column. We didn't get to all of the Dan Weber-specific questions. We tried. We did, we did a whole bunch hour and 40 minutes on that show um so go check out uscfootball.com we have a column up where he answers a lot of those questions uh in written form so you can kind of check that out too so um i think we're done talking about notre dame uh would love to do a preview podcast we're going to try to do that this week uh looking forward to arizona state we'll have our whole crew out there again uh usc and Arizona State, so that'll be fun. Uh, we'll see what happens. The night game going to be a little crazy. Uh, we had everybody there, so there's a lot of content up from USC and Notre Dame since we had four people out there covering the game for uscfootball.com. But um, I think this will do it for. So if you send any more questions about Notre Dame, we're not going to read them. Sorry, um, we did our best. I think we got through. It's definitely the most questions we ever got through in a, a post-game sort of situation. We've never had this many voicemails. Um, but we do appreciate you all calling in and texting in and writing in. And uh, hopefully we answered those. Uh, we, well, we certainly answered them to the best of our ability, hopefully to your satisfaction, and hope you enjoyed uh, all of the show. So this will end our Notre Dame talk as far as podcast goes. Going forward, we're looking forward to talking about Arizona State. Uh, maybe we'll do a uh, even a recruiting one uh, coming up this week. So make sure we'll do our Thursday live show as well with uh, – Keeley and Shotgun and myself and maybe even have Chris Trevino kind of drop in on that so check out uscfootball.com or go to our Facebook page uh, facebook.com slash uscfootball.com all one word uscfootball d-o-t-c-o-m so we do a live show every Thursday at noon Pacific and uh, that's always fun too it's kind of a, a video version of the podcast where we answer your questions live uh, from the chat box so alright so that'll wrap up the segment we're going to bring in Joe Duffy uh, just a minute. Uh, so he uh, does a great job for Offshore Insider. He's going to talk about the spread from this game, the spread, uh, and how USC did not cover the spread coming up, and remote possibilities for uh, a Heisman and a national championship. They're still on the board. So we'll talk about all of those numbers with Joe Duffy coming up in a minute. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. 
You know, ever since I started the Peristyle podcast 10 years ago, people have been asking me for betting advice. And mostly, if I think USC will be covering the point spread. Well, let me tell you this. Where you are betting is just as important as which side you are betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie's been in business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? Lay down some cash, and you can win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they definitely have. That's why I'm telling you, make your way over to mybookie.ag because they pay. And they also have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. So go now to mybookie.ag. They will match your deposit with a 100% bonus if you use the promo code PARASTYLE. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, we're back as promised with Joe Duffy. He's the CEO of Offshore Insiders. You can follow him on Twitter at Offshore Insider. No S. He's here on behalf of mybookie.ag. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. Uh, certainly better than USC fans. I'm going to be breaking them some really bad news about both their chances to win the national title and uh, also to have a Heisman Trophy winner, although I don't think anyone's going to be too too uh, shocked by the news I'm going to have to break to them. I'm being a little facetious. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, people talk about, well, they could win out and make the playoffs. Just the way they were playing was not, you know, indicative, you know, indicative of someone that, you know, a team that was going to go all the way and, and the potential to run the table. Obviously, against Notre Dame, that did not happen. Um they were a dog for the first time this year and absolutely got blown out. Yeah, that and you know, look, some crazy things can happen, but I know, you know, I'm not the ultimate college football historian. I guess it was 2007 LSU actually won the title with two losses, but I, you know, a lot of fluky things happened that year and of course, the most important thing is the entire world agreed that, you know, the SEC was far and away the best conference in the country. So whether or not a uh, team could make the playoffs with two losses from the Pac-12 is highly debatable, especially considering their blowout loss to Notre Dame. But yeah, they're now, you you know, if anybody out there is optimistic, apparently you do have some optimistic fans. You said you can bet it at mybookie.ag. They are plus 15,000 to win the national championship. So if you bet $100, you can win $15,000. So the next time somebody says, you know, USC still has a chance, send them to mybookie.ag. And I would also say if, you know, the only way that uh, you guys would have a chance would be if Sam Darnold has the greatest finish to a season ever, and he's plus 8000 at mybookie.ag to win the Heisman Trophy. So, yeah, any any really optimistic USC fans out there, you have a chance to make some big bucks if you really think they're going to explode from this point on. Yeah, um, I, I think there were, USC fans are more worried about imploding than exploding, uh, but that's, you know, semantics maybe. But coming up with uh, the game against Arizona State, uh, road game, I think USC still a, a slight favorite here, but um, this is a, you know, a team that's been on fire. They beat Washington, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, only giving up seven points. The defense looks a lot better. Uh, Manny Wilkins, the quarterback's looking better. Uh, what do you, what are any thoughts about this game, what the line is and any kind of thoughts on that one? 
Yeah, USC is a slight favorite, minus a two and a half with a total of 58 at mybookie.ag. Uh, ranked teams off of a blowout loss are uh, a big go against, well, not a big go against, but a pretty good go against at 290 and 2 and 11 against the spread. And if they lost by 16 or more, uh, a 60.9% go against. Now, one of the things I looked up, and this would be of interest to even the few people who do not actually bet on the outcome of games, but Arizona State, to say the least, their defense has been trending upwards. Uh, they only allowed 17 points the last two games after allowing 30 or more in each of their previous five. And, you know, I do have the ability to look up in the computer how teams like that do that are playing spectacularly lately, but not so great overall defensively. And unfortunately, wasn't able to come up with uh, any real compelling angles, either against the spread or straight up. But of course, you know, in your case, your defense is uh, trending downwards. USC, the, I know you've had more than your share of injuries on the defensive line, allowing 377 yards rushing. Uh, road favorites, though, of three or more. And when I did look it up, they were a three-point favorite. They are now a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and I uh, you know, can definitely check it at, at two and two-and-a-half. But essentially, when you've got a road favorite after allowing 370 or more yards rushing uh they're eight and 17 against the spread so that would favor arizona state so you know it's laying points on the road is always tough in in any conference game especially against a solid arizona state team but you know the thinking i think a, a lot of sharps will say look usc is better than they've shown and maybe they're a little bit undervalued at this point so i wouldn't be surprised if some of the sharp money is still on USC, but remember what I've said all along, a college football more than any other sport, college or pro, is a big momentum sport, which does not bode well for USC. Yeah, not, not hearing a lot of good, no, I mean, great numbers there, but not good as far as um, USC and covering the spread. To Sharps at some point, when you look at the USC's overall body of work, um, really played one good game, and that was the Stanford game, yeah. and that's the only game that they covered. Is it... I mean, you see talent, you see the potential. How long can that really last? You know, I mean, it, it just seems like at some point you have to show something better than what you're showing on the field, and USC just hasn't shown that. Yeah, we we talked about, I think I've said, that one of the most overrated statistics in handicapping is straight-up record because that can be very deceptive. We're trying to pick games against the spread, and USC still fits into my dichotomous straight-up and ATS theory. They're only 1-7 against the number 6-2 and two, um, straight-up, and they could have very easily lost to Texas. They could have lost to Utah, and as we said, the California game was interesting for a while, though they did pull away at the end so their their wins have been fairly ugly and that is very important from a handicapping standpoint that you can make a very strong argument that USC is not as good as their record indicates that their their other indicating numbers would suggest that they're not as good as the record but they also like to look at we also like to look at you know is this team capable of more and that's that's the million dollar question and i guess when it comes to mybookie.ag can literally be the million dollar question was usc just that overrated all along or are they a grossly underachieving team that still has that ability to finally live up to their expectations and it's you know all in all i think uh, from a betting standpoint at offshoreinsiders.com i don't know if i'm going to have a premium pick on this because 
there is a decent amount of uncertainty. And I do say that, you know, that sharps, we like to exploit uncertainty when there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a big point spread going with the underdogs is usually a good play. But that wouldn't apply here as the game is less than a a three point spread. So uncertainty for the is kind of bad for the sharps as well as the books here. Yeah, you would think because I guess it would be you just don't know what team's going to show up. If USC comes out and they like play really well and gangbusters, you could see them blowing Arizona State out, and that's that's the kind of uncertainty. But there's just such a, a small point spread; it's almost a pick 'em essentially. Um, it's I, it would be hard to pick. I mean, at this point, it, the trending thing to me is Arizona State trending up, USC trending down. Um, I would kind of lean towards the ASU covering, you know, getting some points. But, yeah, like you said, there's just so much uncertainty. You don't want to put – people don't want to like, oh, I'm going to bet Arizona State, and then all of a sudden this is the game USC perks to life and plays like they their potential. Yeah, and, and my bubble burst theory says that, you know, it does say to fade teams off of their first loss of the year, but I do have what I call the cousin of the bubble burst theory, the teams that had one loss and at least had a realistic possibility of winning the national championship once they do get that second loss. And I, I said one of those uh, stats as far as ranked teams off of a big loss. I do think that USC, now that every single realistic possibility of a national championship has been eliminated i I think it'll be devastating for them they're you know they're maybe a little bit like florida state is where florida state if you know of course they wound up having an injury to their heisman trophy candidate so it's not perfect a perfect analogy but florida state i think once that their dreams of winning the national championship you know were ripped away that they just basically just you know the wheels fell off and i think that's what i would be worried about from USC's standpoint, and again, you know, Sam Darnold, he doesn't have any realistic chance at winning the Heisman Trophy. Uh, as a handicapper, I don't follow you know, the draft projections on a weekly basis, but the last time I looked, he's still projected by a lot of people to be the number one draft pick. So I guess he still has a certain amount of personal motivation, although at this point, you know, they're really looking more at potential than as far as how he performs. I guess if, it, if he hasn't uh, dropped at all based on his performance to date it's really his to lose as far as being the number one uh, draft pick and by the way you will in the off season you will be able to bet some draft props at uh, mybookie.ag but that's something to look at ahead but yeah all in all uh, it's been my experience doing this for a long time that a team like usc once they they realistically have no chance at winning a national championship after they entered the season thinking that they were among the favorites. That's usually when they become a big go against. All right. Joe Duffy, CEO of Offshore Insiders, here on behalf of MyBookie.ag. Joe, thanks so much for uh, sharing your insights. We'll see. We'll see what the Trojans do this weekend. No, we, we will, Ryan, and much appreciate talking to you, and hopefully we'll talk again in the near future. Sounds good. All right, that's Joe Duffy. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Offshore Insider. I'm Ryan Abraham. You can follow me at Inside Troy or at the Peristyle for uscfootball.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 